Let's pray and let's, uh, let's jump into what we're going to talk about this morning. Lord, thank you for a good day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here together to, to uh, study your word, to see what uh, you have for us. I pray that you give us wisdom, you give us understanding in what we talk about, that our hearts would be stirred, our uh, hands and our feet and our minds would be moved to action, to uh, think clearly, to act clearly, and uh, Lord, most importantly, to trust in you to pray for uh, your will to be done. Thank you for your goodness to us, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our focus today in our first Sunday of Missions Emphasis is children's ministry, And I would be lying to you if I told you that was the focus and that was the goal of this Sunday a few months ago when we were putting this together. But it's really uh, turned out really well because in the Sunday morning service, we're going to have Joel Penton here talking about LifeWise, how we can reach kids in our our backyard, as it were, in our community, the LifeWise Academy ministry through the public school system. Today, we'll also roll out, as you saw the table out in the foyer, our Operation Christmas Child involvement. So reaching kids and children across the world as well. And then realizing that I think something needs to be said regarding what's coming up November 7th. And so we have missions to our own backyard regarding our kids, missions to children across the world. And there's one other category of children that have to be saved as well. Another category that we need to reach out to. These are the unseen the unheard, right? Sadly, some of them will never whimper or cry at their birth. You realize that? Some of them will never have uh, the opportunity to, to, to wobble a little bit as they learn to walk and fall down on their bottom. Some of them will never have that first day of school moment with their parents. That's an incredible time. You want something cool to see? Come the first day of school and watch the kindergartners and the K-4 kids and parents interact over here on the first day of school. Some of uh, these young people will miss out on a whole life ahead of them. And so in this, in this missions emphasis today, talking about children's ministry, I think it's important that we talk about something that is staring us in the face in the state of Ohio. The image of God in the life of the unborn is at stake in our state. And it is absolutely necessary that we stand up for them because they do not have a voice. They do not have a vote. They cannot stand up for themselves. July 2nd, 1776, George Washington was about to embark on the first major battle of the American War for Independence. It was the Battle of Long Island. And to his troops, he said, These words, the fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have therefore to resolve to conquer or die. Now I realize full well I'm taking that out of context because he's, he's talking about going into a battle, into a war. But isn't the wording incredible as we apply it to what we are faced with today? The fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. This army. It's incredible that what George Washington said all those years ago basically sums up what, are we, what we are facing in the next 38 days. 
as this army has to mobilize in order to shut down the evil that is planned in our state. You say, why do you come at this this way? Why is this such a big issue? We've been talking about it and praying about it for weeks now. We're going to go down to the March for Life here on just, just this Friday. We're going to talk about it today. We got the yard signs out, those types of things. Why do you come at this so passionately? Why does this matter so much? Here's why. Because the value of the life of the unborn is a biblical conviction. And it cannot be denied. You cannot get around it. Therefore, we stand passionately on it. See, we do not believe what we believe about the unborn because of science. Although science does back up the fact that the unborn is a life, a living person. We don't believe what we believe about the unborn because of psychology, though psychology proves the horrors of abortion. We don't believe what we believe because of social or economic or philosophical reasons, even though all those also back up the cause of life. We believe what we believe regarding the life of the unborn because scripture tells us that all people, including the unborn, are made in the image of God. And therefore, they are valuable and they are worth protecting. I want to show you here this morning first, because we can go into, you know, vote this and do this and do that, but we have to first set a platform, a foundation on which we stand. Why do we think and do what we think and do? Because we believe this according to God's word. So I want to show you first of all this morning, the biblical principle, that really jumped ahead, the biblical principle here in scripture. Would you go to Psalm 139, please, in your Bibles? Psalm 139, this is the biblical principle. God's love for the unborn is clear and obvious in scripture. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Don't anybody try to muddy the waters. The God's love for the unborn is clear and obvious in scripture. The image of God in the unborn child and the value of human life is clear and obvious in scripture. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I want to give you a few passages that when you have that conversation with your neighbor or with somebody, it's not just, well, I think this or I heard this one time. No, you can open your Bible and you can go to scripture and you can show somebody this is why this is important. This is why I value the life of the unborn. I am trying to imitate my heavenly father in his love and care for the unborn in how I act as well. Based on the, upon the authority of God's word of scripture, protecting the lives of the unborn is the only Christian position. Do you hear that? Protecting the life of the unborn is the only Christian position. Not because I say so. It's not our reason that brings us there. It's not philosophy that brings us there. It is God's word that takes us there. And if you're going to do something else, you have to throw out a ton of God's word in order to get to that point. I'm not willing to do that. I hope you're not as well. So how do you know this is, this is the only Christian position? How do you know this is a biblical principle? Psalm 139, specifically verses 13 to 16. The psalmist writes, for you talking about God. So you could say, for God formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Look at verse 13. Personhood is proclaimed in the mother's womb. Personhood is proclaimed in the mother's womb. Do you see the words my and me and my? The psalmist is saying, when I was in my mother's womb, I was a what? Person. I was a living person. Notice here, too, that God is interacting with the unborn child. He covered me in my mother's womb. So God isn't turning his back on the unborn child. They're saying, I'll wait till you're born. Yeah, when you're, when you're really, you know, you're breathing on your own, you're doing all that type of stuff, you know, I'll, I'll wait till then. No, 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 God is interacting with the unborn child in verse 13, really this whole passage. Notice verse 14. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Made. Not accidentally put together. Not an accident of science, right? Not an accident of sex. Made. Verse 15, skillfully wrought, skillfully crafted, skillfully put together, meaning God used his own skill when he put the pieces and parts of your body together and made you as a human. It wasn't just a, okay, that's good enough on that one. Okay, this, no, it says he skillfully made you. This is no blob of tissue in the woman's the mother's womb. It's no accident. It's no thing to be flushed down the toilet. We were at the Voice of Hope banquet recently, just last week, or week before last on Thursday, and they said that the, the largest, uh, or the biggest option now for abortions is the pill, actually, which you can get very easily, get sent to your mailbox, and a woman takes that pill, and they say it's, you know, fine, painless, nothing. And they were giving stories and accounts of, in the, the last thing that that woman sees of her baby after the pill is flushing it down the toilet as if it's nothing. The psalmist here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does not treat the unborn as nothing. Verse 15 and 16. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. You know, God sees what no one else can see. For hundreds and thousands of years in human history, we couldn't see what was going on in the womb. Didn't really have an idea of, of the development of the unborn, did we? Well, this verse, I think, talks about that. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. My frame was not hidden from you. But to everybody else, it was... Now, modern medicine has definitely advanced, right? And we have before us now the opportunity to see some things that are going on and to know what that process is like, right? There's this book that uh, Answers in Genesis put out called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, which they have a whole exhibit on this now at the Creation Museum. And this, uh, it's, it's an excellent, excellent resource and it just walks through the different stages of development in the, in the unborn child and gives, uh, gives rebuttals to, to abortion, gives uh, biblical proof, all sorts of stuff. Excellent resource for you if you'd like to, uh, to look at that or grab one of those. 
we recently have been able to see what God has always seen. Through, the, through, through modern medicine, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Verse 16 says, the days of our lives are fashioned by God before we had any of them. He knows us, he forms us, he plans our lives. Go to Jeremiah chapter one. I'll show you the second uh, biblical principle. There's, there's many. I'm only gonna point out three this morning. Jeremiah chapter one. Now this is a verse that you hear often when we talk about the life of the unborn or pro-life causes. But what I want you to do is look at this as the illustration of what we just saw in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, he says, you know, my, he formed my inward parts, I was made in secret, these types of things. Now, Jeremiah is telling us what God has told him, and he's saying, here's the illustration of that. Jeremiah 1.5, just one verse. God says, before I formed you, that's Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Did you catch that first line? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. What does that tell us? God is the one who forms the baby in the womb. God is the one who forms the baby. In fact, it says he knows them before he forms them. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, there's an argument here from greater to lesser. If God knew us before he formed us, do you think also he knows us while he's forming us? That makes sense. It's like he knew us beforehand and then when we're in the womb, oh, well, hands off now. <laughs> I'll wait till you're born. No. If he knows us before he forms us in the womb, he certainly knows us and cares for us while he forms us in the womb. Before Jeremiah's birth, the last phrase, God had already determined what he would be and what he would do. He would be a prophet to the nations. One more, Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one, this might be the best one. This may be, might be the best illustration of the value of unborn life in the womb. Luke chapter one, verses 39 to 45. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. The baby in Elizabeth's womb recognizes and acknowledges the baby in Mary's womb. So you've got John, an unborn child, who leaps in the womb, knowing he's in the how, I don't know, that's an act of God, right? Knowing he's in the presence of, of the savior of the world, Jesus, who's also at this point a what? Unborn child. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. See, see, it wasn't Mary stepping into the area there that caused John to react. 
It was the presence of an unborn child that caused John to react in such a way. Now you look me in the eye and tell me that at that moment, John and Jesus were just blobs of tissue and weren't living people with whom God had a great plan for. Can't do it, can you? You wouldn't dare do it. Because the life of John the Baptist and, and Jesus himself, they're not, they're not blobs of tissue to be discarded as nothing. Unborn, yes, but valuable also. You know, I think that's the main question. That's the biggest question that the pro-abortion side will not answer. It is the root question of this entire thing. Is the unborn baby a life? If it is, and by the way, it is, science proves that. If it is a life, then it should be protected. End of conversation. When do you hear that at the root of the argument? When do you hear those questions being the questions that are talked about and answered? When do you hear the pro-abortion side actually talk about how abortion ends a life? You don't. They always divert. That's the issue at stake is the fact that abortion always, always, always ends a human life. But we always talk about this. And we always talk about this thing over here flying around, right? It's like one of those things when you drive down the side of the road, there was those guys with the arms, and it's got air blowing through, and it's going like this the whole time, and the kids are all looking over there. There could be something incredible on the other side of the road. They wouldn't have a clue it's there because they're watching this stupid thing over here. That's exactly what they're doing here. Look over here, look over here, look over here. And you need to ask your pro-abortion friends, does abortion end a human life? If they say no, they're on the wrong side of science and the wrong side of history, I might say. And if they say yes, then we have a huge problem because apparently life is not valuable. But they never talk about that, do they? See, we do not live our lives based on what we think. We do not live our lives based on what the world tells us to think. We live our lives based on biblical principle. And I just showed you three of the many places you could go in Scripture that say this unborn child is a human life, made in the image of God, special. So now with that as our principle, what then do we do? I want to talk about the current issue that is in front of us. So from biblical principle then to current issue, with unchanging biblical conviction as our bedrock, we build then everything else off of that, right? That, that unchanging biblical conviction is like the glasses that are, we're wearing. It's the lens with which we view all the issues of life. So when we come to issue one, we're filtering it through not what the world is saying about it, but what scripture says about this. Issue one is an attempt by the abortion industry with support from organizations like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU to legalize abortion in the state of Ohio up to birth as a constitutional amendment. Did you get a handout that I gave you this morning 
Anybody need one of those? It looks like this. It says, more extreme than you know. If you have that in your hand, please take this, that out. Guys, if there's somebody that needs one, if we can get one to them, raise your hand if you don't, uh, you don't have one. I want you to see this for yourself. This is a, an article that uh, Center for Christian Virtue has put out, and it's very helpful for us. If you would please open it up to the, uh, the, the darkly color, colored page on the inside. And I want to read the amendment. It's important that we know the language. We see what is going on in this bill, right, that we are to vote on. Most people that vote on this, probably yes or no, will never have actually read the language of the bill not even knowing what they're voting on, but going off of an, uh, uh, an ad or a, a yard sign or something like that. Once you read it, <laughs> choice is clear. It's obvious. Let's read it. Be it resolved by the people of the state of Ohio that Article 1 of the Ohio Constitution is amended to add the following section. Article 1, Section 22, the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. A, Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on, one, contraception, two, fertility treatment, three, continuing one's own pregnancy, four, miscarriage care, and five, abortion. Read uh, discriminately, all right? B, the state shall not directly or indirectly burden penalize, prohibit, interfere with, or discriminate against either, one, an individual's voluntary exercise of this right, what's the right? The right to an abortion, or two, a person or entity that assists an individual exercising this right, unless the state demonstrates that it is using the least restrictive means to advance the individual's health in accordance with widely accepted and evidence-based standards of care. However, abortion may be prohibited, may be, may be prohibited after fetal viability, but in no case may such an abortion be prohibited if, in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, it is necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life or health. We're going to come back to that statement. C, as used in this section, one, fetal viability means the point in a pregnancy when, in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, the fetus has a significant likelihood of survival outside the uterus with reasonable measures. This is determined on a case-by-case -case basis. Two, state includes any governmental entity and any political subdivision. D, this section is self-executing. Observations, all right? Here's some broad observations based on just a cursory reading of this. First observation is this. Planned Parenthood is behind this amendment. The ACLU and other way leftist, woke, uh, liberal organizations are behind this. This did not originate in the state of Ohio, by the way. This is pushed on us by other people in other states who think this is what we should do. Ohioans, beware that other states who are nuts aren't coming in and telling you what you should do in your state. Planned Parenthood is behind this. Planned Parenthood is the largest provider in the abortion industry. Planned Parenthood has a monetary interest in the passing of this amendment. More abortions, less restrictions on abortions, means more money for them. Red flag? Red flag? When the ones making the amendment stand to benefit financially from the amendment, you can take it to the bank that they do not have other people's best interest in mind in this amendment. 
You with me on that? It's clear. Let's look at the language here. Did you notice that on letter A, it says every what? Individual. 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 Woo, that leaves it wide open, right? Every individual. Did you notice later on where it says, however, right above C? It says, in no case may such the abortion be, may the abor- abortion be prohibited if in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician is necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life or health. Did you notice that? Individual, pregnant patient. We have in front of us an amendment that has severe consequences for women and for mothers. Does it even mention the word woman? Does it even mention the word mother? It does not. There's a lot at stake in this. Can you imagine that? We're talking about women and we're talking about mothers and they won't even say the word. Individual and pregnant patient. Don't know about you, but every pregnant patient I've ever known is a woman. Never trust a healthcare provider who will not admit that only a woman can be pregnant and will not admit that there is a difference between if they can't a difference between men and women if they can't figure that out I don't know if I trust them too much with the rest of the parts of my body cuz that's basic my 5-year-old son can figure that out and knows it to be true Never trust an organization like Planned Parenthood who supposedly is involved in women's health but will not use the word woman. Is that a red flag? It's a big red flag. The language here shows us there's a whole lot more at stake here than just abortion. This language is the doorway for all sorts of evil and and the word individual can be just interpreted mercilessly. Just taking that wherever they want it to go. Notice too, individual means does not specify a minor or an adult. It's an individual. Meaning a child, a young child, a young girl. Let's go through this. The second, uh, second page here in the middle will help you. Uh, understand some of this. And I just kind of want to read through some of this that they provided. There's some other helpful resources too. SeeTheLanguage.com has put out an, uh, uh, the wording of the amendment with comments and things on it. Uh, I have a copy of this. If you'd like it, we can make more copies. That's helpful as well to put in the hands of somebody with just some comments of what all this, this means. But let's walk through this a little bit. First off here, the constitutional amendment overrides all other state law. So that's what it talks about here, top left, locking abortion politics into our state constitution. And what it's, once it's in the state constitution, Reardon McLean was saying this in an event I was at the other day, and he was saying it's really hard to get it out once it's in. Really hard. This is that moment to stop this from happening in Ohio. Don't say, well, if it gets in, we'll do something about it later. No, 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 this is the time. This is the time to do something about it. Abolishes parental rights and health and safety standards. The key phrase there is the, the phrase that they cannot 
uh, the state shall not directly or indirectly burden, penalize, prohibit, interfere with, or discriminate against the right to an abortion. What does it mean to burden or to interfere? Ooh, that could be taken a bunch of different ways, couldn't it? Maybe common sense health and safety standards that an abortion clinic should have. The abortion clinic or Planned Parenthood or whatever could look at that and say, that's a burden that these clinics who are trying to provide services to women, that's a burden. They shouldn't have to go through those things. They shouldn't have to widen their hallways enough so that a gurney can come through in case there's an emergency situation. They shouldn't have to have admitting privileges at the local hospital in case there's an issue. That's a burden. We can't put that on those clinics. They should just be able to do whatever they want to. See how wide open that is? the parent's ability to step in for their minor child. Remember, because the individual, minor, adult, man, or woman, where that going on there? If the parent had to step in for the child and, and help her through that decision, that could be a burden, couldn't it? On the individual's right to do it. On the individual's right to have an abortion, if that parent steps in, that's a burden on her. They are interfering with her right. I'm sorry, you cannot mandate that. You cannot do that. What, what about even, I mean, could, could it even go so far as to like a pregnancy center? Or us as a church? Counseling somebody away from an abortion, is that interference in their right to an abortion? Do You see what's going on here? These things, a similar, last year, a similar bill passed in the state of Michigan. And the proponents of the bill said, none of that will ever happen. Well, just a few weeks ago, the governor is pushing lawmakers, Governor Whitmer is pushing the lawmakers to enact more, to, to, uh, to introduce more bills that promote and push this agenda even further. This unlocks the door. And when a door is unlocked, what will eventually happen? It will be opened. It will be opened. This does that. Notice uh, top right, right of the page, it distracts voters. Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. This bill is about what? Abortion. What is it on the list? Number five. Oh, yeah, by the way, abortion. Once again, nobody really wants to talk about that. You got somebody that's pro-abortion? Ask them, tell me about an abortion. Tell me what happens. They won't, they can't. They know it's heinous. They don't talk about it. It's thrown in here as if like, a, oh yeah, hey, here. You, have you seen some of the ads yet? I, I, I saw one recently and it was vote yes on issue one. And it goes through all these different things, you know, of how we're, you know, vote yes to protect your freedoms because, you know, lawmakers are trying to tell you you can't do this, whatever. And then it says this, it says that vote yes to protect emergency miscarriage care. Vote yes to protect emergency miscarriage care. Guess what? That's not under attack. You don't have to vote yes to protect that. It's already protected. You already have that help. That's available there. And so what they're trying to do is divert your attention away from the actual issue of abortion. Look, it does this, and look, it does this. Things that don't even need to have, have to be done. 
Always draw, when you're talking to people, always draw it back to the central issue. Is the child in the womb a life? And does abortion end that life? That's the issue at stake. Not everything else. Not everything else. Allows abortion up to birth. In no case may such an abortion be prohibited if in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, it is necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life or health. An abortion cannot be prohibited if the patient's attending physician deems it necessary. You ready for this one? Who is the patient's attending physician? Their family doctor, right? Who knows them, has a relationship with them, cares about them. No. They're OBGYN, right? Right, who's walked through these steps with them and helped them for years, maybe even delivered some of their other kids or whatever. Is that the one? No, who is it here? The, the, the patient, the pregnant patient's attending physician is the abortion doctor. I use the term doctor loosely. Not all are even doctors. So you're telling me that the abortionist is the one who gets to determine whether or not this is good. The one who stands to make money if the abortion continues. Remember, abortion is not essential, it is elective. And so that abortion doctor stands to make money by pushing it through. This, 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 is, this is nuts. This is crazy. The abortion provider in the end is judge, jury, and executioner. That's the truth. That's the truth. I, I hope reading this you realize that this amendment is the amendment from hell. It is. It is the amendment from hell, and it needs to be sent back right where it came from. And we can get riled up about that, and we can do all sorts of things about it, but we have to act regarding this. And so we looked at biblical principle. We looked at the current issue. Now I want to look at the call to action. The call to action. Go in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 to 22. Exodus 1. Exodus 1, 15 to 22. I'm going to start reading to save time. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. The Hebrew midwives were faced with a life and death decision. And they determined that they would risk everything they had. They would risk everything to save the lives of the Hebrew baby boys. Why? Verse 17 and verse 21, because they feared God. They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. There's a slap between the eyes. They feared God more than they feared 
Pharaoh. Why do we stand against this abortion amendment? Because we fear God more than we fear Planned Parenthood. We fear God more than we fear the ACLU or whoever else is behind this. Because I know it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And there are, there are millions of people who will have their day in court and will stand before an almighty God and they will be condemned for their treachery. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You better be on the right side of biblical principle. The Hebrew midwives, they said, we can't do it. Doesn't matter what happens to us, we cannot do it. We fear God. We fear God. You can believe that with all your heart. If you do nothing, it means nothing. Realize that? You believe what I just said with all your heart. If you do nothing, it means nothing. So what do we do? The first thing is vote. Vote. In our freedom-loving country, we have a vote, and we must use it. Are you registered to vote? Are you registered to vote? VoteOhio.gov. You have until October 10th to register to vote, 18 and older. Go to the back page of this handout I gave you. It gives you all the information you need about what I'm about to talk about. You have until October 10th. That is the day before early voting opens. VoteOhio.gov. Register to vote. Your vote matters. It is the way in which we in our country accomplish things or stop things from being accomplished. VoteOhio.gov. Once you register to vote, if you're not registered to vote, vote, right? Go early and vote. It opens October 11th. All the times are given there. It's right here. If you're in uh, Crawford County, it's right here in the courthouse. It's the most easy thing to do. I've been in there. I always early vote, right? Because no lines, nothing. Usually the only person in there, which is a little bit sad. But you go down there and you do it. You're in and out. If you don't have enough time to vote, you are too busy. You understand? You need to change some things in your life. Because if you can't spend five minutes running by the courthouse real quick at any one of those, what, like 20 days that are open there, if you can't do that, if you're too busy to do that, you are too busy, you need to readjust some priorities in your life. Only 30% of conservative Republicans vote in off-cycle elections. 30%. Only 30% of conservative Republicans vote in an off-cycle election. You cannot sit this one out. It is not an option. You, you've got to vote. This is, this is, there's no question here. Right? I pray, and I started praying. I thought about this this morning. And I said, I'm doing this. I'm praying for 100% participation from Wayside. Put your vote where your mouth is. Put your vote where your heart is. This matters. This will have trickle-down effect on us, and it'll have trickle-down effect on our school eventually. If they realize they can get in here and start changing things for our state, vote early. Vote 
early. Get it in there, get done. Why do you vote early? You vote early because as early returns come in and we see that those numbers are really good, it encourages other people to also jump in and say, hey, we can win this. If you don't vote early and the early returns are bad, those people that are kind of sitting on the fence, they look at that and say, eh, we're not gonna win. I'm not gonna go down there and vote. Vote early. Get there and vote. It is not, it is not hard. Register and then vote. Secondly, your voice. Your voice to God and your voice to others. Our first and most passionate voice must be the voice of our prayers. Must be. You must pray. Pray to God for his mercy on our state. Pray for God to work on our behalf. James 5.16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then as you take your voice to God, also take your voice to others. We must talk about this. We got 20 more of these sitting out there. Put that in, in the front yard. I've, I haven't seen any uh, yes ones around town. I've seen several of these. We need even more. Let people know. Put graphics on social media. You'll see the church has put some things up there. You can share that. Tell people about it. Pass this page along. We'll get more copies. That's an excellent resource to put in somebody's hands. There's other things available as well. If you need some of those, talk to me. Put those into people's hands. Send out a blast email. I was doing this today or this week some and talking to some other pastors in our area and putting, giving them these resources. Picked up some signs for another church in our area. They're going to come by and pick them up. People need to know that this is important. Too many people just sit on the sides. Get some good resources in your hands. One of those that's really helpful is this podcast called The Narrative. This is put out by Center for Christian Virtue. Search The Narrative, issue one, more extreme than you know. As an excellent, they go through this. A lot of what's said in that explainer page that I gave you is in that podcast. Listen through that. It's about 50 minutes, five zero, 50 minutes. And you can, uh, you can listen to that. It'll really help you out, explain some things, give you some talking points as well. Lastly, so you got vo vote, voice, and voice of hope. Vote, voice, and voice of hope. We have a local resource here in our town that needs your help. Voice of Hope is our local pregnancy resource center. Wonderful resource for moms, for dads, for anybody that is, is abortion vulnerable. And I say this, whether this amendment passes or not, Voice of Hope needs our support. They're the ones with the boots on the ground reaching out to these people and responding to these people. Their numbers have gone way up. Abortion-minded women contacting them now at a rate never before. And so they need that monetary support. They need that prayer support. They need physical support in the sense that there's volunteer opportunities available. That's a way that we can partner with something that's happening in our local community and say, we want to be part of the boots of the, on the ground. We can't just say this philosophically. We have to actually put ourselves into the fight, into the fray. Right? So Voice of Hope is the way to do that. In closing, Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Do nothing. Doing nothing is not an option. It isn't. We cannot sit by. God, I said this, I said this a couple of weeks ago, God is angry about this and we should get a little angry about it too. But that anger has to turn into appropriate action. And there are several things I just outlined of how you can do it. I encourage you, because of your biblical conviction, stand for what is right and then act upon what is right. You have to have both. You cannot just stand on it. You have to act on it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share this. 
I pray that you would stir our hearts. I pray that you would stir the hearts of Christians and people in our, in our community, in our, in our state to stand up against this, that you would, have, you would show your mercy on us, that this, this amendment would be destroyed, that it would be, it would be taken down so overwhelmingly that it could never be attempted again. Lord, I pray that we would see 100% participation here at Wayside, that, that each one of us who, who claim what we just talked about, the claim the biblical principle, would get out and do what you've called us to do. Thank you for the opportunity to vote in our country. And Lord, I pray that we would do it. Lord, most importantly, help us to pray. Teach us to pray, to pray for your will to be done. Lord, we, we don't know which way you're gonna take this. We do know that we pray and ask for your will to be done and we do the best step we know how to do. And in this instance, the best thing we know to do is to vote no. So Lord, I pray that you would reward that. I pray that you would use it. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.